0: Good evening, evening. welcome again and um, may you be blessed again as I have in looking at Lazarus being raised, we haven't actually looked at the miracle and we won't even do that tonight Um, there is just so much as we've looked at the preparation and the uh, explanation last time and now tonight as you see in your outline on telegram The examination for transformation, we have a testing of Martha, of her faith and the Lord when he prepares and explains things to us in his word, he wants to make sure we understand by putting it into action, our faith and we have, God has a will for us to do and we'll look at that tonight, things and put things in place in that faith so he can work his glory. We sung about God's glory tonight, which is good and and being kept in him and and, and overcoming fear. So examination for transformation and can we go there John is our passage chapter 11 And it'll be verse 33 to 41 tonight, which just stops short of the actual miracle, which will be the next message. John 11, 33 to 41. Let me read. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have cause that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? I'm just going to read the first part. Of forty one, because the next part is the start of the next message. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and then Jesus prays after that. But that will be for the next message. I'll, I want to stop there. So let's pray, as we need the Lord's help again. And Lord God in heaven, we thank you for your power, your love, your mercies that never cease. And, Lord, we thank you for your word and the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ and his great love and patience and long-suffering toward us as he was toward Martha and even Mary, Lord, and the Jews, as we'll see, Lord, in helping them to understand what it means to believe and then to see the power of God at work in them and through their obedience of faith and then Lord to see the glory of God and may we have a glimpse tonight in this short passage of your glory in our hearts as we by faith believe what is said and Lord as you open the eyes of our hearts and the ears of our spiritual understanding Lord that we may be more bold, that we may be able to have faith where we'll be willing to move those stones, Lord. Lord, we pray and ask these things that you will be glorified and that these words will be only as from your living word and in Jesus' name, we give you thanks, and uh, in in the great hope of, of of resurrection, of of being with you again, Lord, in your presence. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right. In our last message, yes, we just briefly capping. We looked at the sorrow of the sisters, looking at their pain and and grief in Lazarus, their brother's death, and. How the Lord uses that in our life, those pains to purge us and to help us in our perception when all the rubbish is removed and the baggage in our understanding of who Jesus is and what he has done for us and what he expects of us in our being dead in him and not to ourselves being alive to ourselves anymore but living for him and and he's wanting to help us perfect that which is to increase our faith as we see him doing in the disciples as we looked back there in the preparation and now Mary and Martha and uh, no, we will um, now we will look at the sorrow of the Saviour and uh, the Lord Jesus, the One who, as was described in Matthew chapter one verse twelve, will save shall save His people from their sins. And Second Corinthians, I just want to touch there, It just helps us get a bit of a start. Right, the last chapter there, and it's a verse we know. Second Corinthians thirteen verse. Let me read 4 to 9. But 5 is the one I want to read. But four, Second Corinthians 13. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? But I trust that ye shall know that we are not reprobates. Now I pray to God that ye do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. For we can do nothing against the truth but for the truth. And just thinking of 2 Corinthians and the lead-up in this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote, in these last few verses that we wrote, we we see the true heart of Paul um, in Second Corinthians, writing to the believers at Corinth, and we do see also his love and concern for the work of the Lord in that local church at Corinth, and and he finishes up here saying, "You need to examine yourselves continually in the Lord Jesus." There's so much false teaching going around, and and You know, for those of you who desire to serve Christ effectively, you know, you're battling against these false teachers and much error and um, you need to keep measuring yourself by the standard of Christ and what has been taught through the Apostle Paul. And uh, not only believing the gospel, but in examining yourselves, make sure you're living the gospel. And so with that in mind... We'll touch just on a few of those verses again, just right now, because as on your outline, you'll have the heading "Examination" as we examine ourselves, as we just read there in Second Corinthians thirteen five. But for transformation, and look thirty through three to verse thirty seven in our text, we are looking at the revealing. The point is revealing Christ's person. He reveals his heart. This is the revealing of Christ's humanity as the son of man and his desire for fellowship with us. And so the key idea, as it's on your outline, I want us to think that, personally, are we revealing Christ's pattern of honest truth in our lives? Now, so that we, as it says in 1 John 1 seven if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship one with another and that's talking about our fellowship restored with god because the blood of jesus christ his son cleanses us from all sin and it allows that through that cleansing and forgiveness through confession of sin as we read in verse 9 to be restored back into fellowship and that's christ's desire here so he can use us to glorify to be glorify the father to glorify god and as we read back there in second corinthians 13:7 honest so we want to be able to live in a pattern of honest truth and we need to jesus christ make sure in verse 5 in second corinthians there 13 that he is in us that is is his life that living with uh, we are living with him by the power of god and so this account in john now gives us a brief look at the depth of human emotion of the Son of Man, our Lord. We see Christ here so moved, especially from verse 33 to 35, by the tragedy of of death. Uh, His heart is so kind, so tender and so concerned towards others that are bearing such grief of pain. Now, just quickly, like if you've ever lost someone close in the family, that is a grief in itself. But there is another side to grief. It's the grief of loved ones close to you bearing grief as well, and that that that, that was an, that's an experience too. That you, that when, when your whole family's grieving at a loss, that really is heavy too. Seeing them in pain, and you know what. Like you can, you, you're bearing that pain together. But the Lord is bearing that pain um, in His own heart. Philip P. Bliss, one of the great hymn writers, wrote beautifully as he was writing of the scriptures from Isaiah: "Man of Sorrows, what a name!" And yes, we know that the Man of Sorrows and acquainted with grief. In Isaiah 45:5, it also says, "There is none else." As we consider. Our Savior, there is none else. And Acts four twelve in the New Testament also declares, There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And so, how wonderful when we consider this great love that is so sensitive to our needs, how wonderful it is to know that the one true God of heaven and earth truly does care. And someone wrote a hymn about that Does Jesus care? And verse 33, Jesus saw, when therefore, Jesus therefore saw her weeping. Jesus did notice, he does notice, and the Lord Jesus does feel when something is not right, when we suffer. And Hebrews 4, I'm just going to go quickly there, because I want to read a few verses as we consider that thought. Hebrews 4 15 and 16 for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was in all points tempered like as we are yet without sin let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need that is saying he understands more than what we do about our pain one because he created us with you know those emotions and uh that are used in that way and he went through it himself when he was on earth. And he does want to help us because he wants to maintain, as we consider the topic through this first point, he wants to maintain fellowship with him in drawing us back to himself for comfort in that. So right from the beginning of scripture, after first man's sin in Genesis chapter 3, In verse 9, we see right throughout Scripture when the Lord was calling Adam to have fellowship with him and Eve as that's why he created them. One of the reasons to have fellowship, something was not right by verse 9. Man had sinned and separated himself from God and it wasn't, as we know, going to be the same. It came at a cost of death, sin and death in man's life which meant suffering and death and but god brought about as we know to restore man's fellowship back with himself through his son the lord jesus christ and we see that as in the new testament And we see the same pattern right throughout the scripture, God noticing those that are afflicted and hurting from individuals, maybe you can remember Hannah crying out in her pain and grief, and the Lord heard and answered her prayer, and even Hagar, Sarah's handmaid, that Egyptian slave that was brought from Egypt when they were there, and and, after what happened to her and she's out in the wilderness and, she, and the Lord, the angel of the Lord, the Lord Jesus we know, met her need. And even to a nation, from individuals to a nation, Israel, we think of God told Moses he has seen the affliction and oppression of his people. He was going to deliver them through Moses. Verse 33, back in our text. as we look through the eyes of our Lord Jesus now in what he saw so he he saw her weeping and um, I want to go back to Hebrews chapter 2 because that talks about a lot of what Jesus felt and how he responded 2.14 actually I've already read that Okay, we know that. He, I'm going to go, he witnessed the temporary, go back to our text, because our Lord Jesus, based on what we read earlier in Hebrews 2, he was witnessing the temporary triumph of Satan, who was currently holding the fear and power of death. Okay. Let's sorry, Hebrews 2:14 and 15. As we consider that thought, Satan who's currently at this time holding the fear of power and death For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So the Lord Jesus is witnessing here the temporary triumph of Satan who was currently holding the fear and power of death and he saw in that their grief. Now the world he had created our creator he he is seeing it ravaged by sin and the pain that that caused and he groaned in the spirit there at the end of verse 33 and this word groans means to be indignant to be deeply agitated with that is having great displeasure in that what he sees and even though so that it causes him to be troubled which means to tremble at that, he shook with emotion at that shocking, um, uh, ravaging of sin in in man's life at a human level. These were his dear friends suffering, very dear, because if as we remember and he remembered and enjoyed their sweet fellowship, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary in their home when Lazarus was alive, and and so with that. Trembling, verse 34, Jesus said, Where have ye laid him? When we feel we're in the valley of the shadow of death, may the word of God awaken our expectations to encourage our faith and to something great. The Lord wants us to get moving forward again and to talk with him again. And here they respond and they said unto him, Lord, come and see, and they start moving forward towards the grave and they're on their way there and as we think of our tract one of our tracts has Hebrews 9.27 on it and as it is appointed unto man once to die but after this the judgment it's confronting people with the reality and the certainty of death and judgment and when we understand that as the Lord is on his way to the grave we are all on our way to the grave because of the result of sin and the death that as they were all on the way to the grave not right then at that moment but eventually there was a point for them to die but Christ's work was to do the will of him that is the will of the father that sent him and he was on his way to the grave also but for it was our sins not he had no sin and that's the beautiful thing our great hope and assurance is that the grave had no hold on our Saviour because he had no sin to hold him there. He was able to pay the full penalty for it. He is the first fruits of them that slept, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says in this passage in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life, that is life eternal, through his resurrection for all who believe. And because it talks in 1 Corinthians 15, by that same power, the spirit that rose our Lord Jesus from the dead, the same spirit will raise us from the dead. And verse 35, Jesus showed, Jesus showed that through his weeping and uh, Jesus wept. And this is said by most commentators, is one of the most clearest instances of his humanity seen. And the word used here for wept is not the same as it describes Martha and the Mary and the Jews weeping. Um, they were that was like a type of loud wailing. That word in their weeping of of great loud grief, but it's more of a silent weeping. It was still noticed definitely because we see that they said in the next verse, "Behold, how he loved him." Noticeable, but. And in the scriptures, in the gospels, we are shown three instances where Jesus wept, which again shows great evidence of his true humanity as the son of man and of God divine. But here, one, the family home, Martha, Mary and Lazarus, which he enjoyed the fellowship in their home. And this could picture a local weeping of grief for the grief of believing friends that results in sadness and suffering of those closest to us and nearest. And doesn't this make us think the question like when we sin as Christ's friends, as in Christ, can we imagine the grief? Do we think about the pain it causes our Lord? And more so, when we are hurting do we consider the hurt we cause our Lord when we sin, that hurt that we've caused him, when we break fellowship with him? And what is our desire to seek in that thought the restoration quickly and confessing our sin and to him? And as this was his desire, and secondly, we remember when he wept for Jerusalem, uh, weeping for Jerusalem in their rejection of him and you can read that in Luke 13, 24 to 35 and and that from a local weeping to a regional weeping your community, our country a city that he looked upon and loved now knowing their judgement and grief which is to come and the desolation and pain that was going to come with that which one day it says there at the verse uh, 35 of Luke 13, will return back to him in true belief. There will be a true repentance of a remnant. And we believe that, that will happen. Not this side of the rapture, but there towards the end of the millennium when he, they are humble too. And thirdly, a weeping to the cross for the world, so for the whole world. And Hebrews 5 really shares that. In verse 7, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. And verse 8, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And bearing in his own body the terrible grief, he suffered and died for the judgment of our sin, the sin of this world that was on the human race. And race, and graphically, we see that described in Psalms 22, the, in that, that suffering and pain and agony. And, distro- and here, we, as we read before earlier in Hebrews, finally, this is where he destroys forever the power that is over man of the fear of sin and, and the, the fear of death. And, uh, and we can't measure such compassion such evidence of his love, such sacrifice, such obedience to the Father. So this is so. Our fellowship could be restored back to the Father. Jesus wept because he could see what they could not see also. Yes, the tragedy of sin, but also the glory of heaven. And Lazarus was now, when we understand, the scriptures especially in the gospels there luke 17 lazarus was now currently in paradise right at this point surrounded by the saints of god his spirit that is the spirit of man was now made perfect lazarus had now entered into the rest from earthly sufferings waiting as they all the saints there at that time were for the triumphant son of god his resurrection Jesus knew he was going to call him back to a world of sin where there was great anguish and pain, as he was just witnessing, only have to die again. So this was another way and reason that broke the Saviour's heart. And when we turn this around to ourselves, so it should break ours as as we were reminded this morning of our concern also should be like Christ for the lost. We know through the word of God how unbelievers, they will weep and tremble at the judgment, but then it's too late to be broken then. It's best now before they die. And in, and as we understand and meditate on this and think of the incomprehensible suffering, torment for all eternity, the torment of having rejected their saviour, let alone the pain that goes with that and and we were ch- challenged this morning through the testimony through the word through Lord that may we seek the passion of Christ the mind of Christ and not stop until not stop pray the God to increase that desire until we literally learn the value of a soul as Christ taught and learn to weep for the lost in their hopeless condition until people will see Christ in in us as we share Christ's love and forgiveness with them and, and, and that they will say about us, in verse 36, behold how he loved him. And may the world say about us, even as a local church, as they see our unashamed witness for Christ, especially when things go wrong and and you know we're attacked for our faith and as many churches are physically even around the world may people in the community be able to say behold how they loved him and i want to share an illustration there is nothing that takes so takes the joy out of life like unconfessed sin on the conscience and Dr. F. Marsh tell that on one occasion he was preaching on this question and urging upon his hearers the importance of confession of sin and wherever possible of restitution for wrong done to others. At the close, a young man, a member of the church, came up to him with a troubled countenance. Pastor, he explained, You have put me into a sad fix. I have wronged another and I am ashamed to confess it or to try and put it right. You see, I am a boat builder, and the man I work for is not a Christian. I have talked to him often about his need of Christ and urged him to come and hear you preach. But he scoffed and ridiculed it all. Now I have been guilty of something that, if I should acknowledge it to him, will ruin my testimony forever. He then went on to say that some time ago, he actually started to build a boat for himself in his own backyard. In this work, copper nails are used because they do not rust in the water. These nails are quite expensive and the young man had been carrying home quantities of them to use on the job. He knew it was stealing, but he tried to ease his conscience by telling himself that the boss had so many of these nails that he won't miss them and besides, he was not being paid all that he thought he deserved. But this sermon that his pastor had preached had brought him face to the fact that he was just a common thief for whose dishonest actions there was no excuse. But he said, I cannot go to my boss and tell him what I have done or offer to pay for those I have used and return the rest. If I do, he will think I'm just a hypocrite. And yet those copper nails are digging into my conscience. And I know I shall never have peace until I put this matter right. For weeks the struggle went on. Then one night he came into Dr. Marsh and exclaimed, Pastor, I've settled for the copper nails and my conscience is relieved at last. What happened when you confessed to your employer what you had done, asked the pastor. Oh, he answered, he looked me strangely at me, then exclaimed, George, I always did think you were just a hypocrite, but now I begin to feel there is something in this Christianity after all. Any religion that would make a dishonest workman come back and confess that he had been stealing copper nails and offered to settle for them must be worth having. The key idea as we think of that, are we revealing Christ's pattern of honest truth in our lives? And that can only come about by examining ourselves and measuring ourselves with Christ in his person and work and so that we can have fellowship with him. And as we consider the application, let's, Romans twelve fifteen to 16 says, Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. That is a good way. God helps us to examine ourselves if we have the mind of Christ in our lives. So we must maintain fellowship with Christ to be able to have the same mind of Christ so we can have the same mind one toward another as believers as Christ has for us. And then the world can look upon us and see that, no, we're not hypocrites. They want what we've got. This should be something that must be worth having. Revelations 4.11 Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory. Honor and power, for Thou hast created all things. For Thy pleasure they are and were created, and that Thy pleasure means for Thy will, that His will will be done in our lives, and that was to He created us for His glory, yes, for His fellowship with us in that, and that's the only way He can be glorified if we're in fellowship with Him, and that carries on from Genesis three fifteen right through to Revelation. So in examination of our lives for transformation, let's look at secondly, remembering Christ's promises. These next two points are not as long as that first one. So we'll move quickly. Remembering Christ's promises and the topic is in his faithfulness and he wants us to be faithful too. The key idea, are we willing to recognise and release our unbelief in humility as we read Martha doing? There, by the end of verse, well, once the Lord spoke to her gently in verse forty, and they were able to. Anyway, we'll look at that. Take away the stone. Thirty-eight, the start there. Jesus, therefore, um, right. I read that, and we've looked at that. But John mentions again a groaning, as we looked at. Let's consider also the the previous verse thirty-seven, because we didn't look at that and we looked at these many Jews right which was from verse 19 that were comforting Mary and and Martha and they are still here and obviously as we looked in the last message they were some kind of close associate or friends that respected Martha and Mary and they were still with them right here up until the grave comforting them but some were not willing to respect their Lord as we see in verse 37 there's doubting and there's whispering they were not willing to respect their lord and close friend and it hurt him deeply as we see there in verse 37 and we believers who know the truth of god's word and practice our faith in christ in the world that is we try to practice kindness we try to practice truthfulness integrity be reliable respectable to our bosses and those around us and the world takes notice sometimes they take that for granted and they generally because it's easy and it's comfortable and it it's joyful it, they like to be around us they like to be our acquaintance um and they respect us for that but here they don't respect our savior and we and 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 again like in this 37, like when bad, I mentioned this in a previous message, when bad things happen to good people, they make ridicule. Where? Why would God allow that to happen to a child or to, in what they determine as good people? These whispering doubters hurt our Lord. And so by 38, he is again groaning. And also, what about when our young people have grown up in our Christian homes? grown up with the truth the teaching of Christ's words Christ's promises and they doubt they rebel in unbelief and even they may have a passive rebellion where it's not so much outwardly exposed not publicly but inwardly it hurts the parents but more it hurts the Lord Jesus and that's something to be mindful of and Matthew Henry quoted, he never groaned so much for his own pains and suffering as for the sins and foolishness of men. Our faith should should grow in the Lord as we pray for them, that they would give God, as we pray for those who would be in this situation of verse 37 around us, would give God their heart for our children and let May their eyes observe his ways as from a child they have known the Holy Scriptures, which is able to make them wise unto salvation. And that's in Proverbs 23, 26. And that is a good prayer for parents in praying for your children and uh, that they would give their heart to God and that their eyes would follow his ways and they would make them his own. And those who desire to be soul winners, as we've been challenged and good to be challenged and um, for Christ using this example of our Savior desiring to have some fruit from the witness of the gospel to the lost. And Matthew Henry against quotes ministers, people who preach the gospel, who share the gospel, men and women, when we are sent by the preaching of the gospel to raise dead souls through the power of the gospel, should, we should much be affected with the deplorable condition of those we preach to and pray for and groan in themselves to think of where they're heading. And Our Lord Jesus commanded in verse 39 the stone to be moved and here we have the test coming after the teaching and to put into practice what we've learnt. And I just noticed some commentators noted that things that we can do, and this is common sense in our friendship, in our relationship with the Lord, God, in using us to prepare for his glory, there are things that God will not do. And there was another quote that, helps with. God does not ordinarily do for men what they can do for themselves. And so we have Martha and Mary being in verse 3. He had, They had prayed for Jesus through a messenger they had sent, asking, talking to him about their dying brother whom he loved by the end of verse 3. And the response from their good friend in verse 4 was to give them far above their expectations and The psalmist in Psalm 62.5 says, My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He learnt that himself. To do that first, the Lord Jesus, we see through the next verses, had to shatter their expectations. And now he asks them to trust their promises. Believest thou this at the end of verse 26 to Martha? Such faith needs to be tested before it can be rewarded. I thought that was a good quote. So it's all about remembering. And what a, remembering in James, faith without works is dead. And God can only use a faith that relies and responds to God's promises. The Lord wants to make sure we understand this. He is a God of order. And we need to, as we examine ourselves in this, are we remembering Christ's promises and, and, and then doing that in the word in examining ourselves as we recognise that unbelief are we willing to ask God to help us let go release it and verse 39 there at the end of verse 39 we see Martha the sister of him that was dead saith unto him Lord by this time he stinketh for he hath been dead four days she we see like Martha has misunderstood and uh, she had declared her faith in verse 27 that thou art the Christ, the Son of God. And it seems she has failed at the last minute here in this test, and he stinketh. And what it's Martha is looking at the difficulty more than believing the promise, I am the resurrection. Obviously, the stench must have bothered Martha that, that was going to come, it didn't bother Christ. At all. And I like this quote For the sin of man had already made a perfect dunghill. This is a good example for a reason why we may sometimes fail to see the glory of God. We fail to remember the power of his promises, or maybe it's the fear of the giants in the land, as that is used, than at the promises of God. And there's a quote, to carry us through. He will carry you through as we sing. And our unbelief does not stop. Sorry. Our unbelief does stop the revealing of his power in and through us. And we might remember Matthew thirteen fifty eight. In his own country of Nazareth, the Lord Jesus said there, and he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So when our expectations are shattered, let's not become bitter, but better. In verse 40, Here we see our Lord's gentle reproof there. How soon we forget, said not I unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Didn't I already explain to you, Martha, not more than three days ago, um, this promise in verse 4? May we ask God to search our hearts also of this stifling sin of unbelief. And may we, by God's grace, see how much it grieves the Lord and be humbled by that. A broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. And I thought of a challenge, and, and so I wrote it down, and you've probably heard it before, and I have too, Find me a God in any other religion in this world that promises their true believing followers eternal life. A God that promises their true believers a resurrected body, this side of the grave. Like your body, like it's a promise that after you die, your body will be resurrected. And then on top of that, can there be found such a God who offers such a comfort, such compassion, and such blessing to his dear friends and even his enemies when he knows their feeling of such pain and hurt because of sin. and So we can allow and let's allow God's faithful words of promise to renew, refresh our minds. May we know and not misunderstand God's promises in our lives but believe having true faith that relies on God's promise which will release God's power in and through us when we... Humble Again, I say, let go our understandings and trust his way. Let him have his way in me. The story is told of two women in Shanghai who were discussing the topic of pride and began to wonder if Hudson Taylor was ever tempted to be prideful because of his many accomplishments. One of the women decided to ask Taylor's wife, Maria, about it. Maria promised the women that she would find out. When Mrs. Taylor asked her husband if he were ever tempted to be proud, he was surprised and he said, proud about what, he asked. Well, Maria said, about all the things you have done. People are asking, his wife explained. Taylor responded, I never knew I had done anything. It was Christ working in me Hudson Taylor had just removed the stones at God's command and we know as I've shared before in a previous illustration and I don't think we can comprehend the difficulties of suffering of grief of death of his wife and children in that ministry and many of his workers and great tragedy and rebellions that uprisings and uh, so the only way he got through that was in Christ and obeying him and so I thought that was beautiful I never knew I'd done anything so that is true humility and that's why God was able to be glorified through him and will be greatly in heaven as we apply this to our own lives Remembering Christ's promises. Remembering is the fabric of what Christ has previously told us in his word. Like in verse 40, as we read there. Let's notice the order in 40. We see the word believe comes before the word glory. We have to first believe in the promises of God and show that we believe them by doing them and to know that he is faithful in accomplishing that which he said he will do. We must first believe and only then will we see the glory of God, whether that be our salvation through the gospel. And Romans 1.16 explains that. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, said Paul, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who would believe, to the Jew and to the Greek, the Gentile. And so the power of God, we have to first believe and then God will work a power in us and in our sanctification as we live by the gospel of faith. But first we must believe and then we will see. God is faithful who will do it. Do what he promises regardless of the impossible circumstances. Our minds can't comprehend many of those circumstances so that is, requires faith in him. Last point, examination. Thank you for your patience, for transformation. To, to, responding to Christ's reproof in verse 41, the first part there of 41. It is about our friendship. Yes. And uh, the key idea, are we allowing to, God to perfect his power in us? And I want to read verse 4 of Second Corinthians 13 again. as we talk about God working his power in us. 2 Corinthians, just verse 4 13. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he lived by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but shall live with him by the power of God toward you, toward us. We can certainly praise the Lord. His command was victorious in this situation. And I can only imagine Martha humbly relented for that to happen and they were able to take away the stone there at verse 41. The Lord Jesus had reminded Martha what she needed to remember and praise the Lord, he patiently and long-sufferingly reminds us. He gently reminded her that if she would now believe, she would see the glory of God. This is all she had to do. So many people were standing by and watching as we see in verse 42 which we didn't read but I'll just point that out because the Lord says when he starts praying to the Father and I knew that thou hearest me always but because of the people which stand by I said it and uh, they were watching us if our faith is real in in a world that is so unreal uncertain and we will look at that in our next message, as the Saviour does emphasise from this point now on the faith of the spectators. So it was the disciples, Martha and Mary, now the Jews themselves that are where. The Lord had prepared, he had explained to increase those, the faith of them. Martha, and now the faith of the crowd that had been drawn to the grave, and God will do things for us. It may not be, again, as we think back, in our timing it may not be in our way not not so much two days delay maybe two years or 20 years or in our way even after that long period of time but he requires us believers to step out and do things for him while we wait so in our relationships in any true friendship it's never A good friendship is never made by one side doing everything constantly. And uh, I like 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So we have here, through the word, we are being constantly reproved and corrected and, uh, more into the image of Christ and doing this until we respond according to his perfect will and that again is examining ourselves in the light of his word and maybe we can ask ourselves what are the stones that hinder us to immediately hindering us from immediately responding to God's ways when trials comes, those pressures, those that tiredness that besets us, the losses. What are the stones of unbelief that often lie in the way that hinder our witness to the unsaved around us? And, you know, the unsaved, we talk about those that are dead in sin, that are lost. And what is stopping the glory of God being revealed to them and in them being raised and it's a frightening thought as we understand that from the Old Testament, even that their blood c- could be required at our hands because of my unbelief. And uh, I need to examine myself before the Lord. And is it the fear of man? As, And that's generally one of the bigger things. Is it the love of the world? Desensitising, hindering our fellowship with Jesus. Is it a selfish indifference? Like that breaks our fellowship with Christ like I am lacking in that indifference a part of the friendship I'm not fulfilling it as God requires it I don't see the value of a soul through the eyes of Christ because I've taken my eyes off Jesus and You've seen documentaries on salmon and how they swim upstream against the current, and there is a beautiful illustration in this as we look at responding to Christ's reproof. And you know, each autumn they swim up the river against the stream to lay their to bury their eggs to spawn in a lake at somewhere along the river up further, and. Salmon, as we understand, have a determination and perseverance to keep on going until they reach their final destination, their spawning ground. Their journey is upstream against a strong current which pushes them back many times. Sometimes they get caught in rocky rapids and in the rocks, in shallows, and they die because they can't get back into the stream. Where, and many have to literally jump over high rocky walls, some can't make it and pushed back downstream in their exhaustion. And some even get caught. You see those pictures of brown bears catching them in, in the States or northern parts there, waiting to catch them in their mouth as they jump to make it past this rough rock rabbits, uh, rapids in the brown bears. Now, our Christian walk is like that of the salmon and it's a beautiful illustration. We are battling against the evils of this dark world Often going against the crowd. Many times we too come against strong oppositions. But we who believe in Jesus when we die will inherit eternal life. We too at times get caught by Satan. And although Satan uh, doesn't release us, Jesus does by his power. He is always with us. And he promises there from chapter 10. No man, in verse 29, shall pluck them out of my Father's hand, showing us to be free from our sin. Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that we could win victory over sin and death. God has a plan for our lives just as he has a plan for salmon. Let us preserve, persevere then as the salmon do year after year and run the race marked out for us. Let us keep our eyes on Jesus until at the end of our journey we have reached our final destination. Heaven, We can ask the Lord, like David, to search our hearts and help me to see if there be any wicked way in me, especially in unbelief. And then, like the Apostle Paul prayed and even asked the Ephesian believers to pray for him also, he asked them to pray for him, I know, because that would help them to learn to pray for them when they developed the boldness and the courage in Ephesians 6, 19 and 20. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador in bonds, and therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And uh, may that be our prayer too. Let's confess our sin. and, uh, And we can testify also ourselves that when we strengthen our relationship, our friendship, with Jesus like any good friendship it really helps us to be accountable and more dependent on God. It brings joy and contentment and peace and it's it's a wonderful blessing that it helps many other issues and things in our lives that we're confronted with and what a friend we have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to bear what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer let's pray. Lord we thank you Lord, for your long-suffering and patience in our lives, we thank you that you are a God of order and you have a purpose and plan. And Lord, when we deviate, when we wander in sin and when we get out of fellowship with you, we lose that joy, we lose that peace, that contentment. And Father, help us as we daily would examine ourselves in our devotions in our prayer even as the spirit gives us understanding in our meditations Lord and in the preaching of the word as we hear it help us to see if this be the way of Christ is this the mind of Christ in how he would have us to live and respond and and to act in our in the testing of our faith in, in trials in challenges of 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 Telling people um, about you, Lord, the gospel that can is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. And so, Father, we pray this year we can dedicate ourselves to praying for that desire to be stronger in our lives. As we exhort one another as we have today in testimony and encouragement, even after the meetings, as we spur one another on in that accountability, in that in our faith in our Lord. We give you thanks for the blessed hope of eternal life. One day we'll be in heaven with you, rejoicing with the saints, Lord, that have gone before us and with each other, Lord. Such a great joy, the joy of our salvation, can be restored through your forgiveness, through the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. Go with us now as into our week as we determine to uh, commit to praying about a soul as we've been challenged today we are without excuse we need to uh, develop that pattern of fulfilling your promises Lord and your command in uh, pray help us to pray one another for boldness Lord and uh, that we may be able to say the word in season or Out of season, if that's the situation that may be better, Lord, you'll guide us. We ask, Lord, for your strength and wisdom in that.